0: Good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry uh, Christmas. So glad to see you today. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just want to say again, welcome. Whether you've never been here or you've been coming for two years, that's about how old we are as a church. So I just want to say, welcome. Merry Christmas. So glad that you are here today. Uh, tis the season for making lots and lots of plans where we do all kinds of stuff during the Christmas season, but what do we do when our plans don't go the way that we uh, picture them to go? Uh, how many of you have young kids? Yeah, a lot of us. Woot, woot! Uh, you know, when you have young kids, you make plans, and you have in your in your head this picture of, you know, what it's going to look like. And uh, how often does it go exactly as you pictured it with your kids? Yeah, never! So last night, uh, Kristen and I, my wife, we decided to take the kids down to the uh, Hall of Dazzle, uh Uh, Lauren Park area where they have lots of fun stuff and you know in your mind you picture it's going to be you know Perfect. The kids are bundled up. You're drinking hot chocolate. You know, no one's ever gonna cry ever Um, You know, and then I break that and I'm breaking down crying Uh, No, you know, we still had a good time, but it's never exactly how you picture I've got three young kids with a fourth on the way and our kids are seven five and two and you know You always have something picture in your mind. You make some plans and then things don't go the way you picture them, things don't really go the way that you planned. And then, that's true for all of us. Um, I'm curious though, how many of you are more natural, like you you plan a lot, that, that comes naturally to you, and how many of you maybe aren't planners? How many of you are natural planners? You like to plan everything out? Yeah, yep, yep. How many of you are not planners? All right, yeah, yeah, all right. So, you know, if you had all your Christmas shopping done by like Labor Day, Uh, You are a planner, and uh, if you are here this morning and you haven't started your Christmas shopping, you are trouble. You shouldn't be at church this morning, okay? (laughs) Go, get it done. Like, that's okay, so sneak out. Is there really? Someone's pointing at someone else. Oh, my father has not even started. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. I love that. You are in trouble. Whether you're a planner or not, though, You know, whenever life goes in a different direction than the way you pictured it or the way that you plan it, it can really rattle you, no matter if planning comes a little more natural to you or it doesn't. And I know there are many of you this morning that are facing something that you didn't plan for, that you didn't anticipate. And the good news is that you and I aren't alone in that feeling of of planning something and things don't go in the way that we plan them. That's what happened to Mary and Joseph. Joseph. Now, the Christmas story can be something that we know so well that we lose sight of the fact that Mary and Joseph, they're real people, and they had real lives, and they had real plans for their life. You know, there's a lot about the Christmas story that probably most of us know. If we grew up in America, we know, you know, about the shepherds, we know about the wise men, and we know about the sheep and the star. There's so much about the story that we do know. This morning, though, I want to kind of look at maybe some of the pieces of the story that we don't know, kind of reading a little in between the lines, and we're going to have to use our imaginations this morning. Is that okay? Uh, so we're going to kind of look at the story in a deeper way. The way I, I see it, it, you know, we, we have kind of the big points of the story, but there's so many details that we don't have. Just like if you were sending out a Christmas letter and you were highlighting your 2017, you know, you'd only give like the big moments. There'd be so much in between that you'd leave out of the story, like This Christmas Eve, I want us to kind of get in between those details. Like, how did Mary and Joseph meet? We don't really know. It's not recorded in the Bible. But I thought we'd kind of imagine together, how did Mary and Joseph meet? Maybe it's something like this. You know, Mary, she's just recently graduated from high school. And so she's getting into a new small group. And she shows up one night at her small group. And there's this cute guy named Joey. And Joey is teaching the small group. And he's teaching on Isaiah and the, the promised Messiah is going to come. And Mary's with her friends at a small group. And she's like, whoa, this guy's really cute. A couple years older than me. But, you know, she kind of is watching him as he's teaching small group. And the way his face kind of looks when he's teaching. She thinks that's really cute. You know, and then afterwards, they, they're hanging out and they're talking. And, and it seems like there's some chemistry there. And she's like, nah, I don't know. Is there any way he could maybe have feelings for me? Probably not. He's a couple years older than me, great guy, you know, I don't know. Well, Joey, he's like, man, this girl is cute, you know, and so he's thinking about her all week long, he's praying about it, and so next week after small group, they're hanging out, and, you know, he puts a couple extra squirts of cologne on, right guys, we've been there, and we're going to make that move, and he's like, hey, you want to go grab a cup of coffee with me at, you know, the Bethlehem uh, coffee house, and uh, she's like, sure. She goes back to her friends, you know, have you ever been there, and it's like, I don't know, is this a date date? Is this a friend thing? And that's kind of, you know, Joey and Mary, they're doing this kind of dance thing, and and they get to know each other a little bit, and and she's like, whoa, Joey, this guy, he's a great guy. He's got a job. That's really good. You know, he's a contractor. He he remodels houses. She's like, the last guy I had a crush on, like, he lived in his parents' basement, was addicted to his PS4, didn't have a job. Like, that's not good. But Joey, he's got a job. He's a good guy. He loves God. And so they're hanging out. They get to know each other. And, you know, after a little while, maybe she gets to know his parents, and, and he meets her parents, and, and they're hanging out. And she doesn't know that Joey's saving up his money from all his, you know, doing remodeling and do, taking on extra projects. And maybe he's eating ramen noodles for a couple of weeks straight to save money on food so he can put down a down payment, you know, on a, on a nice ring for her. And then one day, you know, they're out, and they're, and they're walking, and they're on a bridge, and uh, Joey gets down on one knee and he's got his friend, you know, in the bushes with his long-range <laughs> camera, because you know you got to capture that engagement story, put on Instagram, right, guys? Uh, it's kind of the new thing. And so, you know, got this guy's photographer buddy, and they're taking pictures. And he gets on one knee and asks Mary to marry him, and she does the "Oh, I'm so surprised," which, you know she knew it was coming, and uh, she says, "Yes, I'd love to marry you." And they hug, and you know their parents are excited. And then, you know, Mary's mom has to get involved, and she's kind of a control freak, and it's kind of crazy, but it's okay because they love each other and they got plans. And what do, what, what do Mary and Joey do, just like all of us? You know, they start making plans for their future, and they start thinking, what is our life going to be like? And they start planning about you know, different names for their kids they're going to have, and you know, they're, they're saying, all right, you know, let's do Financial Peace University because you know, we don't want to get in debt, and so we want to set ourselves up for success, and so they're going through Dave Ramsey. You know, and they're talking about their future, and they decide that, you know, they're not going to sleep together you know, until they're married because they know that purity paves the way to intimacy. It's so like, you know, let's wait, let's hold off on that until we get married. And they're making all these plans for their future. And then, and then something happens that, that's really going to change everything for them. Little did they know that what was about to happen next. And uh, one day, Mary's off by herself, and she has the most special, amazing encounter with God she's ever going to have in her life. If you have your Bibles, you can read with me. We can pop up the house lights if, if they're back there. Uh, otherwise, you can turn on the screen uh, here behind me, following your Bible app. We're going to jump around a couple different spots. But first, we're going to start in Luke 1, verse 26 through 38. Uh, as you're heading there, would you join me, and let's say a quick word of prayer. God, I thank you. Uh, thank you for the Christmas story. God, I pray that this morning, uh, as we look a little deeper into the story that maybe some of us know so well, we'd see things with fresh eyes and a fresh heart, God, that um, you'd be here this morning, that wherever we come from, uh, whatever we're going through, that your Christmas story, your word would speak to us right now. Thank you, God. Amen. All right, let's look at Luke 1, verse 26, Luke 1, 26 through 38. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? An angel appears to Mary, and she can hardly believe it, and the angel tells her, you've been chosen, you're going to bear a son, you're going to give birth to a son, and she's like, Uh, hey, Gabe, uh, maybe you haven't heard, Joseph and I, we haven't yet, you know, done that. We haven't been together, so how is this going to work that I'm going to have a baby? Because, you know, you kind of have to do certain things to have a baby. And the angel like, no, 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 it's not going to be like that. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, for nothing will be impossible with God. So, big news. Mary, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be a miracle. So what's her response to this amazing news from an angel? Verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm God's servant. You know what? Let it be as you've said. I'm saying yes to you. Yes, I'm in. You know, picture with me this teenage girl. She loves God. She loves Joseph. She's excited about her wedding. You know, she's been planning it with her mom, and it's all set. And God has chosen them to be a part of history. And she's thinking to herself, I can't wait to tell Joseph he's going to be beside himself with excitement. God has chosen us. And then she goes and tells her fiancé, Joseph. Let's take a vote here. All right. When Joseph gets the news that his fiance is pregnant and he knows he's never slept with his fiance, is he excited or freaking out? All those who think he's excited, raise your hand. Yeah, all those who think he's freaking out, raise your hand. Yeah, I think so too. Joseph is freaking out like he's a normal dude. He's like, really? The Holy Ghost came upon you, and that's like, all right, tell me the name of this guy. I'm going to make him into a real ghost. Come on. Like, you know, that's Joseph. Like, he's, he's upset. He's freaking out. He's devastated. He's crushed. He's humiliated. You know, he's put down a non-refundable deposit on the Garden of Gethsemane Chapel Inn. You know, the wedding invitations have already gone out. He's got to tell his mom and dad somehow, like, this is all, we got to call it off. He's got to tell his friends. He's going to be publicly humiliated. I think even worse than the humiliation is the fact that he loved Mary. He trusted her. He told things to Mary, you know, as they got to know each other, that he's never told anyone else. She has his heart. He believed that God brought them together. He was saving himself for her, and now she's done this? She's cheated on him? That's what he's thinking. How does he respond? Matthew 1, 18 through 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph is devastated. And he's gonna end their engagement. And in that culture, you had to get divorced to, to, to do that. Think about it from Mary's perspective. When the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said that she would conceive and bear God's son, what was her response? Let it be. I'm your servant. Yes, I'm in. I'm going to do this for you. Now, now she's thinking, my life is over. She's pregnant without a husband. She's going to be a divorced single mom in a culture where she can't really get any real type of job to support herself. She's going to have to beg to just support herself and her son. And you can just imagine the rumors in town. Like, oh, there goes that Mary girl. She was engaged to that nice young man, Joey. But I heard she was, you know, knocking boots with some Roman guard. And that's why he broke off the engagement. Her life is over. She's thinking, God, I I don't understand. This isn't what I planned. I said yes to you. I did everything you wanted me to do. God, why are you allowing this to happen? This isn't fair. This isn't what I planned. I don't know about you but if I was in Mary's shoes that's what I would be thinking and this is where exactly some of you are right now maybe you're finally getting ahead financially in your life and and you're doing great and and you're planning a great Christmas for your kids and and you're excited and then your car breaks down you've got hundreds of dollars of car repairs to make and you're like god this isn't what I planned I didn't plan on spending all this money on my car you know, maybe you poured your life into your kids and then they gradually left the house and now they're on their own making dumb decisions and you're looking and going, what are you doing? God, why are you allowing my kids to mess up like this? This isn't what I planned. Maybe you took a job and you did it for your family to have a better life. You know, maybe you moved your family across the country and, and you knew this is a good opportunity for you. But now your, your kids are having trouble having making friends and your wife is having trouble and there's tension and you're thinking, this isn't what I planned. You know, the list could go on and on. You could be this morning thinking, God, I didn't plan to live with migraines or chronic pain every day. God, I didn't plan on a funeral right before Christmas. God, I didn't plan on cancer. God, I didn't plan on battling depression or getting pregnant. This isn't what I planned, God. But this morning, there's one thing I want you to walk away with. If you're going to take notes, you can write down this one thing. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan. To trust that God has a purpose. Proverbs nineteen twenty one tells it this way: Many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You don't have to understand the plan. You don't understand. You don't have to understand everything that's going on. To trust that God has a purpose. See, Mary and Joseph's plans—they were wrecked for their life. Their plans are shattered. So Joseph determines. He has no choice but to divorce his beloved Mary. But God, God had a purpose. Matthew 1, 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph was like, whoa, whoa. She's telling the truth? Like, everything she said is true? And the angel's like, yes. Verse 21. Verse 21 shows us. God has a purpose. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Here it is. For he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. You can almost imagine Joseph going, Are you, You're telling me God's in on this? You're telling me the last thing in the world I ever wanted was what God wanted to happen? You mean there's a purpose in my pain? And you can almost hear God whisper to him, my thoughts are so much different than your thoughts. My ways are so much higher than your ways. Even though it may not feel that way, I'm working in all things to bring about good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. Here's what I've learned. Sometimes God will redirect our plans when he has a different purpose than what we had in mind. God will redirect our plans to accomplish his purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. And sometimes God's greatest invitations to join him in what he's doing feels like our worst interruptions in our life. Sometimes God's greatest invitations to join him in his purpose and what he's doing feels like the greatest interruption in our life. See, God often interrupts our plans with his purpose. God will often interrupt our plans with his purpose. This has happened in my life so many times. About five, six years ago, we were living in Wisconsin, and we were part of a church plant in Madison, and then uh, we really felt like God was calling us to plant a church about 10 miles north in DeForest, Wisconsin. And uh, we prayed about that, and and we started planning, and we, we thought this is what God wants for us. That To plant a church, to start a church in DeForest, about 10 miles north of Madison. And that was our plan. And then that all fell apart, and God shut all the doors. And there was a lot of pain as all our plans just fell apart. But even in the midst of that pain, in the midst of our plans just falling apart... I learned slowly, after a year, that God still has a purpose. And you don't have to understand all the plan to trust that God has a purpose. And after I have this about moving from Wisconsin with my pregnant wife and my two kids into my parents' basement. And not understanding the plan, but trusting that God has a purpose. two years later to see that this was God's purpose for my life, was to be here, and for Mosaic to be here, not in DeForest, Wisconsin, (laughs) because God knew it's better to be a Vikings fan than a Packers fan, amen? (laughs) Sorry, Packers fans, especially when Aaron Rodgers is out. But you know, I, I am really glad that every once in a while God interrupts my plans to bring about a different purpose even in times when I don't understand it, even in times when I'm confused by it, when I'm saying, God, I don't understand your plan. What is going on? Maybe that's where you are today. You just don't understand what is going on. You don't have to understand his plan, to trust him, to trust that he has a purpose. And then maybe years later, you can look back and say, I never want to go through that again. But I can see how God used my pain and my discarded plans to accomplish the purpose that he wanted to accomplish. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. And this would have been so true of Mary and Joseph. Think about this. Mary is pregnant with God's son. If I'm Joseph, first of all, that's a big responsibility. I'm going to adopt God's son. Okay, i got to take care of Mary, make sure everything's going to go fine. If I'm Joseph, this is how I'm wired up. Maybe you're not like me, but this is how I am. If I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, all right, all right, God, I'll do this. This is your plan. I don't understand it, but I'm in on this. So at least we're going to be taken care of because we're in God's plan, and this is it. And, you know, he's thinking, all right, this is going to be very smooth, you know, heavenly epidural, no pain, you know, no medical bills. This is great. Mary's just going to basically, you know, kind of sneeze. Baby's going to pop out. It's all going to be perfect. Like, that's what he's thinking, right? Nope. She's in labor, and uh, not at home, not in some comfy birthing suite at the hospital. Ladies, where is she? She's on the back of a donkey. That's where she's in labor, right? On the back of a donkey. Like, I'm just thinking, like, I know my marriage, and I know many marriages, you know, and and you got to be thinking, like, Joseph is so dead. Like, I'm in labor on a donkey. What are you doing? You know, and uh, I just picture she's in labor. She's on the donkey. Joseph is like running every red light while he's on that donkey, like, come on, we got to get to town, we got to get to town. You know, they finally show up to Bethlehem, and you know, Mary, she's breathing through the contractions, she's like, all right, Joseph, okay, we're here, thank you, you, you drove kind of crazy, that's fine, but okay, where did you make reservations for us? You know, which, which, which hotel? And he's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, he's like, I didn't make any reservations, uh, let's see what's open. No rooms open. He's even deader now, right, ladies? Like, oh, man, this is not good. And uh, so where does she give birth? In your dream place, ladies, right? In a cave next to some stinky animals. That's where she gives birth to the Son of God. No epidural, no soft music, no hospital staff, no meals brought to you. Remember, Mary's a real woman. She's a real lady. Giving birth. Stinky cave or a stable filled with stinky animals. Okay, so now you're married, Joseph and you're thinking, all right, that was a little touch and go, you know, riding the donkey through all the red lights, no reservations, we're in the stable, you know, it's great, okay, whew, worst part is over, now we can live happily ever after, right? That's what Joey's thinking, he's like, at least the worst is over, I made it, I delivered deliver my, you know, the son of God, this is crazy, you know. Little did they know what was coming next. Guess what they find out? (laughs) Matthew 2, verse 13 through 15. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. This is another country. And remain there until the death of Herod. So, if you're Joseph, you're thinking, wait, 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 who wants to kill our new baby? Herod is king. The king wants to kill their baby. Think about that. Internalize that. This is a real mom and a real dad. The king wants to kill your kid. How does that feel? What are they thinking? What are they feeling right now? Mary's thinking, but God, I said yes to you, I said, I'm your servant. I said, let it be unto me. What is going on? So they go on the run. They flee to another country, and they're there. You know, they're refugees running from death and persecution. They're hiding out in the houses. You know, then two years later, they have to go home. Oh, finally. Okay, we're back home. We're with our family. It's like, God, that was crazy. On the run with a baby, trying to keep him quiet. You know, on the run from this murderous dictator who wants to kill our kid. All right, God, that was crazy. Now the worst is finally behind us, right? That's that's what Mary and Joseph are thinking, like, we're in your plans, so everything else is going to go smooth. This is the worst thing now. Fast forward 30, 33 years, and uh, Mary, the teenage mom who said, yes, may be done unto me according to your word. God, you know I love you. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. What does she get for her obedience? Thirty some years later, she's looking at her son, stripped down, hanging on a cross, supported only by spikes through his wrists and through his heels. His back is cut open from being whipped. The only way he can breathe is to push off the spikes so he can get a breath on his brow is a crown of thorns and there's blood and sweat his face is so bruised and bloody that he doesn't even look like a human being and the mother who said I'm your servant to God looks on and the Bible doesn't tell us this my guess is she's thinking God this isn't fair he didn't do anything wrong he did everything right we did everything you asked us to do make it stop No mom should have to see that. They're spitting at her baby boy, and yelling at him to save himself. And Jesus looks at heaven and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Mary looks on her son, her perfect baby, is righteous in every way. And Jesus declares, with faith and with passion, through the pain, through the agony, it is is finished then he breathes one last breath the sky goes dark the earth shakes and Mary I'm guessing falls to the ground as she weeps as she wails not my baby right put yourself in Mary's shoes she's a real woman this is her baby she gave birth to him She raised them. They're real people with a real agony. And Mary's thinking, this isn't what I planned. God, how can this pain serve any purpose? I don't understand. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. What on earth could that purpose be for such incredible pain? Let me tell you what that purpose was. That purpose was you. That purpose was me. See, Mary and Joseph didn't understand the plan, they didn't understand the pain, but God had a purpose. People say all the time, Jesus is the reason for the season, and that's true. But if you ask God what the reason for the season was in his heart, he'd say it was you. You are the reason for the season. You are the reason that Jesus came. You are the reason behind all the pain, behind the plans not going the way that Mary and Joseph wanted him to go. John 3, 16, a verse maybe you've heard many times, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved you and me that he became one of us Then he died for you and me. We were the purpose. Mary and Joseph had their plans, but God had a purpose, and you were that purpose. Let's look again. What what did the angel tell Joseph in Matthew 121? She will bear a son. He shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph didn't understand the plan, but God had a purpose. That purpose was that Jesus would come, to save people, to save you and me from our sins, from this thing that separates us from God. We are all broken. We are all imperfect. None of us have our stuff all together. We all make plans, and things don't go the way we think we're, they're going to make. Some of it is because of our own mistakes, that we say things, we do things that blow it all up. Some of it is because people do things to us. We're wrong. We're sinned against. And, and we don't understand when our plans don't go the way we think they will. We don't understand how there can be any point to all this pain. And God says, you don't have to understand to trust. There is a purpose. Maybe right now you're finding it difficult to trust. I'm not going to tell you that your pain's not real. Your pain is real. Maybe you want to cry out, God, God, I don't understand what is going on. I don't understand this pain. I don't understand how you could possibly have a plan for what I'm going through. I can tell you because of the goodness of God, because of his sovereignty, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. On this Christmas, as we talk about the birth of Jesus, please understand Mary and Joseph were just like you and me. They had plans for their life. But I'm so grateful that God had a purpose, and his purpose was that so you and I could be saved from our sins. This is the good news of Christmas. God had a purpose. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus, who was born, he lived without any sins, so that he could become the perfect sacrifice on the cross for us. He died for our sins. And that third day, the stone was rolled away because Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because God had a purpose so that anyone, and that includes you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what pain has been done to you, no matter how dark your life has been, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever pain you're going through, whatever plans you've made that have been blown up, you can trust that God has a purpose. God has a purpose. God sees you. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of not understanding because your plans have been blown up, God sees you. God has a purpose. And Jesus understands pain. Jesus understands plans not going the way you think they're gonna go. His first two years in Egypt and, and and hearing his birth story from his mom. And God didn't stay up in heaven, distant from our pain. But instead he clothed himself in flesh so he could understand hunger and thirst and loss, and pain. So whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you didn't plan, Jesus meets us in our pain. Jesus meets us in our suffering. And there's a purpose. So that we can know God. So that our sins, all the wrong things that we do, All the ways that we don't measure up to God's perfect standard, that Jesus can save us from our sins and those sins can be gone. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to join God's family, to know that God has a purpose for you, for your life. And for those that are in the family of God who have bowed the knee to Jesus, maybe this morning there's something in your life going on that you just don't understand the pain. You don't understand because your plans have been blown up. You don't understand why this is happening. I want to invite you this morning to let go of the need to fully understand it all and trust God has a purpose. God sees you. That God is with you. That God loves you. With every head bowed, eye closed, I'm going to invite you just to respond. The band's going to come up. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you that we don't have to understand when things don't go the way we think they're going to go, when our plans get messed up. We don't have to understand all the pain that we're going through to trust that you have a purpose, to trust that you see us, to trust that you love us to trust that you are with us. So God, I wanna pray for those this morning who have never joined your family, have never bowed the knee, have never asked for forgiveness of their sins. God, I pray that this morning, they would open their hearts and invite you to come in and to forgive their sins to live with purpose and life and forgiveness and hope. This morning, if that's where you are, would you just join me in this simple prayer? If you would like to bow the knee to Jesus and join his family and become a follower of Jesus, you can do that this morning by simply saying to God, God, I'm a sinner. I've experienced pain. I don't understand it all. I've messed up. I've been wronged. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. Be my leader. I want to bow the knee to you and join your family. The Bible tells us if we confess of our sins, acknowledge Christ as Lord, we will be saved. And now for those of you who are just going through life and there's pain and there's brokenness and you don't understand just pray this with me God help me to trust that you have a purpose God even when I don't see even when I don't understand the pain or when my plans don't go the way I think they're going to go Help me to trust you. Help me to trust your purpose for my life. Your purpose for this world. Help me to trust you. Amen. Before we close our service, I just want to encourage you. God sees you. God is for you. And when we read the Christmas story and all of the chaos and the craziness of that, there was a point behind all that pain. There was a point behind plans not going the way they think they're going to go. And the purpose for that was so that you and I could be saved. God sees you.